0: Welcome to a quick minisode. Minisode. River Heights Radio Minisode. River Heights Radio minisode. minisode. The book before the book, 1937's The Whispering Statue. We got our hands on it.
1: It's a completely different plot
0: and a completely different Nancy.
1: This Nancy is one casual cucumber. <laughs> OG Nancy shows up to pick up her friends to go see a new park and she's late. She apologizes for being late and her hands are shoved deeply into her sweater pockets.
0: That's the way I imagine a teen girl just acting.
1: (laughs) Yes. One of the main characteristics displayed by Nancy in this book that they come back to again and again is her sense of duty or responsibility. This
0: is honestly a Nancy that reminds me so much more of the Nancy in our last book before the book for The Secret of the Old clock because I feel like lately Nancy has been someone who pursues justice or finding the criminal or... (laughs) as she said to Ned, tracking down the villain. But here she just wants to help people where she can.
1: Her sense of duty goes back to how much she cares. The book says, ever conscientious and sympathetic, Nancy enjoyed lending a helping hand to anyone in trouble. And there are many times that comes up throughout this novel that we'll discuss. However, Hannah sees right through this idea of duty to the fact that Nancy really enjoys the mystery and intrigue of this. That's right. What did she say? Nancy tries to tell her that she's taking care of Togo out of duty. And Hannah says, okay, yeah, you, you really like this dog.
0: Right. For Nancy, that sense of duty also leads to the uh, adventurousness that makes her feel like a All-American Girl Scout.
1: Yes. The other main aspect of Nancy's character is adventuresomeness. Hannah describes it as nothing can hold her down. And that's typical of this parental Hannah that we see. Bess describes it as Nancy has the heart of a lion, but I can't help feeling she's too venturesome.
0: That's a little bit of the best we know.
1: And George describes it as when you're with Nancy, interesting things always seem to happen. Nice. George is also adventurous and is clearly all about Nancy's sense of adventure. Where she differs from Nancy is she's much more practical. So whereas Nancy has this strong sense of helping others, there will be times that Nancy tries to do that. It doesn't go well. And George goes, oh, well, help me pick out an outfit now.
0: Yeah, maybe let's just drop it.
1: Yeah. And she's much more realistic. Uh, Nancy has this part where she's waxing poetical about the The statue and what if it was whispering i can almost hear it whispering and george is like it's only the wind
0: (laughs) yeah i feel like in this book they really give us a clear feeling that these are different people each one of the girls
1: distinct characters rather than just nancy's entourage right
0: they're not mini nancy's they all have their own likes and dislikes
1: and George is the athletic one as usual she's the one who wants to rent the rowboat with which Bess doesn't care for and Nancy only goes along with. She also is the one who proposes that they go on a hike which results in the confrontation with Joe Mitzah. Bess is the bookworm in this one far from being the ditzy Bess that we've seen in the updated versions. She's very intelligent and very well read and it says that she would have preferred to remain in her room with a good book to going on a hike. But of course she comes along. Uh much more careful, but in this very practical way too. You'd not enter that spooky old place now that it's dark, asks Bess, which is a reasonable question.
0: Yeah, it's always better to go in spooky old places when it's light.
1: She's not like, what if there's a ghost? She's like, that place multiple people have told us is about to fall into the sea.
0: Right. Or the police are here.
1: Maybe we should get out of here because they might think we have something to do with this. I
0: think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to say.
1: And Best in general seems the most aware of social propriety. So when they're in the park and Togo is causing trouble, they all are embarrassed that it looks like it's their dog. But she is the most dismayed by this. Right. When Nancy makes a mistake and somebody's life is on the line, Bess is like, oh, remember we have a party? And Nancy's like, no, I'm not going to a party right now. I wouldn't have a good time. And Bess is like, but they made dinner reservations. Right. It wouldn't be fair to Jack for us to cancel now.
0: Yeah, or when Bess hears that terrible story of this villainous woman.
1: Who married a worthless man and her father continuously went into debt, bailing her out of jail. She doesn't even come to his funeral.
0: And what's Bess most upset about?
1: Yeah, Bess isn't upset that she married an awful man or did some crimes. She's most upset that she doesn't come back for her father's funeral. So that's the girls. Right.
0: I think we should tell them uh, a little bit about the plot.
1: One of the plots revolves around a certain Mr. and Mrs. Owens. We meet Mrs. Owens very early on in the novel when Togo steals her purse and drops it in a lake.
0: Mrs. Owens is giving a speech...
1: And needs her notes.
0: So Nancy decides once again out of duty to help by drying off her speech notes on the electric heater of a nearby food stand, which works.
1: After rescuing them from the lake, even though everyone told her it was impossible.
0: But ever the Nancy, she, uh, while looking through the bag for the speech notes, couldn't help but read the personal ad that Mrs. Owens had tucked away.
1: Rexy come home. All is forgiven. Alice. And Nancy thinks to herself, this as is Owen isn't the sort of woman to have this sort of thing in her bag. Right, what is she,
0: clipping coupons too? Come on.
1: <laughs> Back home, Carson Drew tells his daughter about his late- latest case he's working on.
0: He's been hired by Mr. Owen, a man whose business partner stole everything they had and then started a competing business with everything they had. But he
1: can't prove that he stole the stuff.
0: Exactly. Now, Nancy's first question naturally is, wait, I know a Mrs. Owens. Does your case (laughs) pertain to my life?
1: And Carson's pretty dismissive, saying it's a very common name, Nancy.
0: Everyone's named Owens. Certainly these two people won't have a connection later. (laughs) Anyhow, Mr. Drew believes that there may be a threat to Mr. Owens from his ex-business partner, Mr. Wormrath.
1: (laughs) <laughs> the most villainous name I've seen yet.
0: Nancy says, Dad, why don't you just fly Mr. Owens out to the seaside resort we're staying at, and I can, as she says, protect him like a G-man.
1: Yes, and her dad says, yeah, and you want to find out if he's related to Mrs. Owens. Yeah,
0: Nancy has obviously her own agenda here. <laughs>
1: A small plot line occurs where they rescue a boy named Jack who is drowning. Jack becomes
0: the not-boyfriend of the book.
1: Yes, bringing them places, bringing them ocean fishing for their very first time.
0: Yeah, a sport that they found a little dull.
1: Pretty dull. It got much more interesting when suddenly a plane crash landed right in front of them in the water.
0: This happens whenever you go ocean fishing.
1: (laughs) The pilot is slumped over, as if drugged. The passenger is a very old man who, showing great courage, manages to get the pilot out of the plane before it explodes and keep himself and the pilot afloat until Jack can rescue him.
0: Well, I mean, Jack jumps in to rescue them. but of course nancy takes charge uh because everyone else is too scared to do so and that's more nancy's forte
1: a natural leader we get a description of the old man iron gray hair a kindly countenance and dark intelligent eyes which also denoted quiet courage
0: that's the best kind of eyes
1: wouldn't you know it that this old man is mr owen
0: a coincidence in a nancy drew book yeah so mr owen is taken in to recover from this crash as he's an elderly man he has a nurse there watching him and nancy decides she'd like to have a word with her father's client and this leads into a little something called nancy's mistake
1: It's a harrowing chapter.
0: So, I guess Nancy didn't understand exactly the condition that Mr. Owens was in, because after telling the nurse that she can take a break while Nancy speaks with Mr. Owens, she does the worst thing she could have with a man who ostensibly has a bad heart. She immediately says, Hey, do you think that your wife, who you believe is dead, is actually alive and I know her? (laughs)
1: And yes, he does.
0: <laughs> but he gets... That excites him. It's a, he's an excitable man. Needless to say, this excitement is too much for Mr. Owens.
1: Turns out he really liked his wife. <laughs>
0: the nurse runs in. She's upset with Nancy.
1: Tells her off, basically.
0: Kicks her out of the room.
1: Nancy accepts all responsibility. She says, I feel so contrite, Dad.
0: And her dad, ever the empath,
1: does not spare her feelings at all. Nope. I feel he is awfully harsh, on her. Like he's basically like this guy might die and it's on your head, Nancy. So I hope you're happy that you had to overstep and solve your silly little mystery.
0: You better hope that the woman you met with the common last name <laughs> is the wife of this man who he believes is dead or you have killed him. <laughs> yep.
1: Later, of course, when it all shakes out, Carson even thinks he was a bit harsh, and he apologizes to his daughter.
0: Not just that.
1: He says, you deserve a celebration, Nancy, and hands her $5. Wow. She replies, well, I'll just buy a white bathing suit. They're all the style here on this resort
0: her practicality with money is going to tie in when we talk about the themes of this book
1: exactly nancy does not make the same mistake again when she receives the telegram saying that mrs owen is in fact the wife of mr owen's and thought he was dead, and is very excited. Didn't think he was so dead not to write a personal ad.
0: So she allows the doctor to give Mr. Owens that news.
1: Yes, and then the doctor agrees that they can do a short phone call, and then he agrees they can meet up again and have a few minutes alone and uh that's a pretty happy ending there the the husband and wife are reunited all thanks to nancy
0: but twist ending it turns out his partner mr wormwrath was well Uh. (laughs) i guess we'll have to tell you some more of the other plot to explain that
1: Ah, but first I want to talk about Carson and Nancy's relationship. Ooh, go on. We already touched on it a little bit, but Nancy has inherited her sleuthing ability and her love of adventure from her father, Mm -hmm. who can't help but worry about her sense of adventure anyways.
0: Right. Carson isn't just the uh, deus ex machina in this, who is going to come in and solve the plot. He's kind of a character. I mean, we get a whole story of how Nancy takes care of him.
1: Nancy tells a very big fib to her father
0: saying as he worried about the case, "Well dad, I never lose sleep over a mystery." Liar. So she, wanting him to get a good night's sleep, says, "Why don't we go out for a midnight swim?" They uh, go and enjoy the beach together.
1: He jumps into the bracingly cold water.
0: The book says he felt alive in every part of his lean body.
1: Ooh, what a
0: dilf. <laughs> So Nancy and her father, refreshed and ready for bed, head back to the hotel, only to find that while they were gone, Nancy's father's briefcase was stolen now again nancy is gonna help take care of her father even being in some ways a better detective than he is finding a small brown button that may lead to the culprit
1: she saw a guy snooping around her father's room
0: so she finds out where that gentleman's room is and in one of the more fun sequences of this book goes undercover as a maid into his room while he's there and i'm gonna say pretends to make the bed because because I don't know if she knows how to make a bed. Hannah like probably does that. But does find the coat with the missing button and finds her father's briefcase. So she goes to the front desk and says, Arrest this man. I assume out of a maid's uniform. But... <laughs> But the man says, you know, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know what those papers are. I, you know, I don't work for Wormrath. I don't, I don't know nothing. And he- Not he, my
1: job. Not
0: my, not my monkeys, not my circus. And he leaves. <laughs> and even here, Carson Drew, who you'd expect to wield great power typically, says, well, there's nothing we can do. He's yeah. gone. We can't call the police. The mm-hmm. hotel didn't arrest him. Um, I have to go.
1: The main portrayal of Carson is not as someone who rescues Nancy or as in the updated version takes over the case from Nancy. Mm -hmm. But rather just a worrying father who trembles when he hears about an exploded plane and who loses his calm for the first time in his life when she's in a house in the sea.
0: That's not a... You're not misspeaking. We'll get to that.
1: And they have an almost psychic link where he just seems to know when she's in trouble.
0: That's a good bond. But you know who else has an interesting relationship?
1: Nancy's son. Second boyfriend of the (laughs) boy.
0: Mr. Trixler. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so Jack gets a little in trouble with Nancy because she sees a light and he insists he's going to go investigate it because he has very decided ideas about chivalry. Nancy did not want to contradict her escort, Jack, but she also feels that he has hindered her investigation as he tells her it was just her imagination. Nancy does not imagine lights.
0: <laughs> right. And with her other not boyfriend of the book, she has some of the same issues, right? Yeah.
1: Yes, Trixler is a gentleman. And this proves to similarly get in her way.
0: Even though they both can be a problem, at least Mr. Trixler is able to do what not-boyfriends of the book are supposed to do, give her a car to get around.
1: Exactly. He's also very affectionate with Nancy, Bess, and George, bringing them to the moving picture shows and providing refreshments. Specifically, he is so fond of Nancy, one day he slips on a cake of soap at the bathhouse he attends.
0: Those crooks! He pays them good money and they try to cripple him. That's from the book.
1: Drat that place. <laughs> but even then, he was so fond of Nancy that he never spoke crossly to her, even when he was that upset. So at one point, her father's been called away, but she wants to go to the police with some information. Trixler, overhearing this, says, Tell me everything. Yeah, let's go to the police. However, he thinks he should be the one who goes to the police. He says, I'll go talk to the police chivalrously. This is a man's affair anyway. Yeah,
0: the same type of chivalrous behavior Jack had, uh, Mr. Trixler has. And in both cases, it just hinders the case.
1: It was clear to Nancy that the police had taken Mr. Trixler to be an obsessed old fellow. And that had discredited his story. Oh, man. And not only that, she decides, well, now they're primed to not listen to me. So I guess the police are out. Police are out. So this all has to do with our second plot line. This is the plot line that involves Miss Fanny Morse.
0: And Mr.
1: Joe Mitza. We first meet Fanny and Joe on the train ride. Togo attacks... Miss Morse's cape.
0: He was just being playful.
1: As Nancy furiously pulls him away from the cape, she notices that the inside of it is lined with a bunch of pockets which are weighted down with something she assumes is money.
0: She also notices someone else noticing. A certain Joe Mitza.
1: So now it's her responsibility because her dog made this man see this money. She must protect Miss Fanny Morse from this man.
0: I mean, after all, he looks... How did George put it?
1: He looks like a sharper.
0: Now you look that up. What is that?
1: Like a con man. Yeah, you know, a sharper. Yeah. <laughs>
0: He's got a sharper image.
1: Nancy says, if he steals it, I will feel responsible. And she feels it's her duty to warn Miss Morse. Miss Morris meanwhile is just chatting familiarly with Joe Mitza, fascinated by his face.
0: So Nancy decides to intercept when the train comes to its next stop, getting between Joe and this Miss Morris's suitcase, carrying it for the older woman, whispering to her, "I want to give you a friendly warning that that guy that guy sucks.
1: <laughs> I don't trust him."
0: Now, Miss Morse is having none of this. In fact, she is offended. I'll thank you to mind your own affairs. For years I've battled the world, and I'm still capable of looking after myself. And she practically walks off arm in arm with Joe at that point.
1: Who looks smugly at Nancy. Nancy is dismayed by this treatment of her.
0: She's used to people accepting her help.
1: Bass and George say just forget about her. And for a while she does. But when they return to their hotel room one afternoon, Miss Morse's suitcase is in their hotel room.
0: It's been accidentally delivered there, right?
1: Yes. Bass says, well, of all things, how'd it get here in... In our room nancy dryly replies you tell me
0: what do we do we find out how that happened
1: no never not at all no but they do open the suitcase and there's wigs and makeup in there
0: Ooh, signs of a mysterious person
1: they could be an actor i want to talk for a minute about joe Mitzes' moral failings moral flaws okay one day nancy decides while mr Trixler is getting his routine bath that she wants to go for a walk and bess and george do not want to
0: which i like to get because they're not all the same people
1: they want to sleep in the car so they do that's weird but yeah nancy goes for a walk happens to run into joe mitza talking to his buddy and decides to eavesdrop on them what we learned from this is Joe thinks Miss Morris is stupid and innocent as a babe, and basically he's playing a I'll-sell-you-a-bridge scam on her.
0: Ah. Uh.
1: There's this property we can buy. I'll put in $5,000. You put in $5,000, and we'll buy this bridge.
0: And, but it's not for sale in the first place.
1: No. And the money he's going to put in, he tells his friend... Is fake money.
0: But he needs to borrow some money to convince her that he's got the money, right?
1: So he's trying to convince his friend to let him borrow money. He says, haven't I always been square with you? You have so far.
0: I don't know. If someone comes to me and says, hey, can I have some money for a scam? Promise it's not on you. (laughs) You got to be incredulous.
1: So this is what Nancy wants to go to the police about. So later, Nancy, George, and Bess with Togo stumble upon Joe Mitza in a tourist park. They also decide to eavesdrop on him there where they hear him boasting to his friend about various disreputable exploits.
0: His friend was not particularly impressed.
1: No, he says, You're going to go to jail someday, buddy. <laughs> not only this, Nancy and Chums decide to confront Joe Mitza, who ends up beating their dog with a stick, unforgivably.
0: Yeah, it's pretty upsetting we talk about it in our togo episode
1: one of the witnesses who comes forward afterwards and says he should not have abused that animal is apparently the owner of a nearby food stand she says he's a deadbeat he's as worthless as a fellow can be and he never pays for his lunches but he makes me give him lunches anyways
0: bad business practice but worse guy
1: later when they're at the carnival and Jack is spending all his nickels and dimes having them do various games, Nancy happens to see Joe Mitza shooting clay ducks. She says, Jack, do you want to leave? Do you want to follow this guy with me?
0: That's a date with Nancy Drew.
1: Exactly. So, they do. They follow him all around the carnival where he spends a lot of money. They follow him to his house, which is, a cheap boarding house on a squalid street, and it's next to the railroad tracks.
0: Oh God, get out of there, Nancy.
1: All in all, I feel like Joe Mitza is at fault for not having money and yet spending too much money and wanting more money.
0: You gotta contrast that with Jack, who spends all the money at the carnival, but... He has it. He lives in a nice place.
1: He has a rich mother. <laughs> he has a rich mom. So this all results in sort of a showdown at the house by the sea.
0: That was about to fall into the ocean.
1: The next big storm's going to knock it right down. Nancy follows Joe Mitza into this house that she's already seen Miss Fanny Morse enter into. Uh oh. Eavesdrops on them for a while. Decides to show Miss Fanny Morse evidence that Joe Mitza is a criminal. She says, I'm a friend, and I have come to help you. My name is Nancy Drew. It's
0: the most Nancy Drew thing you can say. (laughs) I've come to help you. My name's Nancy Drew.
1: At first, Miss Morse seems clearly stunned by the evidence Nancy shows her. But pretty quickly afterwards, she says, it's none of your business. You're trespassing here. Go away and never come back.
0: She still won't accept Nancy Drew's help.
1: Which is suspicious. And what's even more suspicious is the police suddenly have the place surrounded. That is
0: suspicious.
1: And Joe Mitza and Fanny Morse join forces to tie Nancy up, gag her, and put her in the closet.
0: Which is also suspicious.
1: She hears the police come in. The police say, oh, it was a false alarm. They leave. And Miss Morse and Joe Mitza come out of hiding and bond over their hatred for police. As should we all. (laughs) Joe says, police like to dig up false facts and put blame upon anyone they can. Miss Morse bitterly agrees. I understand perfectly.
0: It's a real connection moment.
1: So this next part Nancy is hearing from her predicament in the closet. Joe asks Miss Fanny Morse, what's your game? And Miss Fanny Morse says, I'll tell you, but you're not gonna like it.
0: What could it be?
1: You are my son.
0: Twist!
1: A real Darth Vader moment. (laughs) He doesn't believe her. They figure out it's true. She tells him, you inherited your father's weakness. His love for easy money.
0: Who could this father be?
1: (laughs) You know what? We've got
0: to discuss another plot before we can talk about who that father could be.
1: Nancy says, if he felt the slightest affection for the pathetic old creature, he did not disclose it by his words. This isn't a tearful reunion.
0: He's not into it.
1: But don't worry. This whole time, Nancy's fingers were not idle as she listened to the amazing tale. So she escapes.
0: Oh, let's talk about the statue. The statue (laughs) in the room.
1: The whispering statue, the title of the book, the least important plot line. Mrs. Owen,
0: from the first subplot,
1: tips Nancy off that she should go see this statue in Seacliff that looks exactly like her. Nancy can't find it, but good old Jack.
0: Ooh, from the second (laughs) subplot.
1: Escorts her to this statue. Takes pictures of her with it. Tells them all about the mansion that's about to fall into the sea. Ooh,
0: that's from the third subplot.
1: (laughs) And indeed, this statue looks exactly like Nancy. Now this statue isn't the whispering statue because it's ever whispered like in the other book. This statue is standing in a pose with a finger as if it's going to whisper Mm -hmm. to two other statues.
0: It's a little trio.
1: Yes. And Nancy says, it makes me feel sort of creepy that this statue looks exactly like her, but she kind of likes it. So she keeps going back to it. And one of the times, she happens to see Joe Mitza about. So she comes up with a daring scheme. She decides it's worth the risk. She's hiding behind the statue, and she starts to moan. She moans, keep away, keep away. And this leads to the vocab word of the book. What is it? Suffing. Suffing used in a sentence such as, Nancy moaned along with the suffing of the wind in the pine branches.
0: And what does it mean?
1: It means the sound of the wind in branches, such as pine branches.
0: So wait, so Nancy whispered with the sound of the wind, making the sound of the wind in branches in the branches. Yes. Nice.
1: So later when Joe Mitza tells Miss Fanny Morse, I dropped the money I was going to give you, a statue was talking to me. Miss <laughs> Fanny Morse says, Bosh, I don't believe in such Tommy Rot. That money was actually fake money, which ended up being the evidence Nancy showed Miss Fanny Morse.
0: And Miss Fanny Morse may change her tune about that statue.
1: Yeah, she ends up pretty, pretty heavily believing in that statue. So another weird extra character slash subplot is that an Italian contractor shows up and wants Nancy to sell him the marble statues. And Nancy's like, I don't own these statues. I'm not going to sell them to you.
0: He says, of course you do. It looks just like you.
1: And she says, no, it's not my statue. And then his pet monkey escapes his truck, goes into the mansion. Nancy rescues it with a bag of peanuts, returns it to his large, happy Italian family, only to be repaid later when he's a hit and runner. He hits her car and drives off. She finds him in the process of stealing the statues and demands her money he takes off with one of the statues
0: but pays her back for the hit-and-run
1: yes Later, she will use that pedestal to pretend to be the statue. By coincidence, she was wearing a similarly colored dress. And this is the closest we get to in the updated version where all the friends hide in the, like, picture frames and pretend to be paintings.
0: Yeah, at least the art she's pretending to be now is three-dimensional.
1: And it's dark out and stormy.
0: She was going to jump out and scare Joe Mitza,
1: But she hears him muttering that he's going to go straight. And she notices he's really nervous. She resists the temptation. Nice. Next, out in the storm, before she can find somewhere else to go because she realizes her friends left her, she's back on the pedestal. And Miss Fanny Morris comes out, kneels in front of the statues, and prays for forgiveness for her wicked life.
0: Nancy decides this is a good time to pretend to be a deity.
1: Yes, she whispers consoling words and even gives additional spiritual advice.
0: Like, get inside the house, it's raining.
1: (laughs) And your husband is not dead.
0: A husband who we here find out was... Mr. Mr.
1: Wormrath. Wormrath!
0: You forgot about him!
1: The erstwhile business partner.
0: What a twist. So Nancy goes into the house following a rapidly deteriorating Mrs. Morse.
1: And... Wouldn't you know it, the house falls into the sea.
0: We said it would.
1: The Coast Guard rescues Nancy and Miss Fanny Morse. Nancy insists they rescue Miss Morse first.
0: They get to them before, as the book puts it, the house floats away into the sea, which I think is a lovely mental picture. This is when we find out Miss Morse is actually...
1: Bernice Conjure!
0: The daughter of the man who owned the mansion.
1: Who married a worthless criminal.
0: Who's Ms. Mr. Wormrath. That's another twist.
1: The end of the book wraps up both plot lines in the hospital. One with a patient who's getting worse... And one with a patient who's getting better. So Miss Morris is ailing in the hospital and worrying about her son. Nancy knows that Joe has gone west to go straight, and she tells Miss Conjure, Miss Fanny Morris, don't worry about it. Your son's on the straight and narrow now. However, she also sends some flowers to the hospital room, signed Joe Mitza, and she's very glad she does that. When the very next day, Bernice Conjure slips into a coma and never wakes up.
0: That's bittersweet. Yes. Meanwhile with the Owens. Mr. Owens is only getting better, and when he finds out Miss Morse was Bernice Conjure, he says Oh, yeah, I know her. That's Mr. Wormrath's wife. She's the one who told me my wife was dead. Oh, and she's the one who told my wife that I was dead because we wouldn't lend her some money. So, uh, pretty messed up lady.
1: So the moral of this book is have money.
0: Don't want money.
1: (laughs) Which is classic.
0: I think that about wraps up the book before the book. Yep. I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. Go Go Wildcats! This has been the book before the book.
1: A tantalizing Minnesota. Minnesota Minnesota Minnesota.
0: (laughs) This has been the book (laughs) before the the book. book. A tantalizing Tantalizing (laughs) minisode From River Heights Radio.